Good morning and welcome to the podcast, the Staff Lounge Podcast. We're back. We're raring to go. Yeah, it's August and it's time. It's time. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're ready to rumble. For all of you, (laughs) not for me. (laughs) Not for JC. Um, So this is Marcy and JC and we're back and our podcast today is about the letter N. Remember that we're doing our alphabet countdown of educational words. Yep. Academic. ABCs. Yep. And she's going to start us off with some top five N category things. Yeah. Now N was difficult. You know, it's kind of a difficult letter for some things. So here we go. Okay. So what is your favorite um, northern animal? Ew. Since we live in Alaska. I love the ptarmigan. Oh, that's I really one. love the ptarmigan. And here's why. My earliest memory of a ptarmigan is really, my, well, there's two things. My mom brought the gifted program to the state of Alaska as part of her doctorate. And she was an Ignite teacher. It wasn't called Ignite. It was the gifted program. But she was an Ignite teacher then. And she had her elementary kids dissecting and they dissected a ptarmigan and I just remember her talking about it at the dinner table but one of my other fondest memories with the ptarmigan is my grandparents are were both both sets were from Montana and they would come up and we would ride the bus back into Denali mm-hmm. and my grandfather would say oh look there's a low bush ptarmigan because it was sitting in the bushes or oh a high bush ptarmigan because it was sitting like in a up in a willow (laughs) like i don't know if he really thought they were different kinds of ptarmigan but it's yeah the ptarmigan all right what Uh, about you my favorite is the lynx i think lynx are really cool and they have those huge feet and i'm just a fan of cats and they're so interesting how they kind of you know they're the way they leap and hop and yeah, you know, I just think they're cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're very cool. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite national park? And I don't know if you've been to many. Oh, I've been to a ton of them. Okay, well, see. Um, I love. Well, I just said Denali. I love Denali. Denali is my place. My dad and my brother were guides on Denali, and so lots of scary times, you know, watching the storms come and go, knowing that they're up there, but our family spent a lot of time hiking, camping, both during the school year in campgrounds with our motorhomes and such, and in the summer, so... Yeah. Probably Denali. I haven't been to many, but I do really like Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. But it's probably more the memory of when my whole family took me down to school and we went through Yellowstone. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it yeah. was just so different from here mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and yet not. Yeah. So I did really enjoy that. What's your favorite Nintendo game? Mario. Like old school Mario. Old school Mario? Yeah. Nice. I really like Mario Party. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to play, and the kids mm-hmm. like it, and um, adults like it, and it's our go-to. Yeah. Usually. Uh, is the <clears throat> Mario Party one the one with Rainbow Road where you're going super fast and you can shoot no, people that off? that is Mario Kart. Oh, I love that one, too. Because there really are a lot of Mario games. There are. Mario Party, I don't know if you've ever played it. Yeah, I have. Okay, because it's set up like a board game, but after every round of rolling your dice, there's like mini games yep. that you play. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we, we played really that. We love that one. Yeah. Um... Now, don't go to a dirty place. Okay. Here's our la- uh, fourth one. What's your favorite, like, nighttime activity? Um, You know what? I love, like, does this mean I have to be going and doing something? No, not necessarily. Okay. So, before we go to bed, we always watch, like, 
an episode of like our favorite show, whatever it might be. Sometimes right. it's like Forged in Fire. Have you ever seen that show? No. It's um blacksmiths competing against each other to make something, and um or like. I like The Dead Files. That's what we're currently watching. There's like 14 seasons. So we've got lots of time with The Dead Files. Anyway. Um, you know, thinking back over the last few years, especially with COVID, like we don't do as many, you know, like out dates. Yeah, outings. But, um, probably in the last couple of years, my favorite nighttime activity, and you'll appreciate this, was when we were in Mexico and like watching the sun go down. Mm-hmm. It was just on the beach. I really enjoyed With your that. dear friend. And your husband. With my husband and then my dear friend. <laughs> uh, last one. What's your favorite name? You know, like the your go-to if you were going to have another child or whatever. I told you I was pulling teeth with N. Hmm. Um, or your least favorite name. Let's do that after teaching for so many years. Does it have to begin with an N? No. I can't say it because what if these people know this person? They know. Okay. I'm going to go with the, my favorite. Okay. Go with your favorite. Um... Uh, Olive. Oh, that's cute. It it reminds me of a student. I mean, she was one of my students. She's actually just reached out to me last night, actually, to go to coffee next week. And she's going to school. She's in the military. She is going to be, what uh, what is the helicopter with the two blades? A Huey? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Don't worry Uh, about it. Anyways, she's a mechanic. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I really like the name August, and there's no reason, mm. but mm. I have always liked that name. Don't mm-hmm. know why. If you have a cat, another cat, would you name it August? No. I don't really like having people names for cats. Traditional. Oh, so you don't like my I like room. your cats. <laughs> I would not. I am not going to give my cats gotcha. people names. I mean, Piccadilly I, is not really a person I name. like silly names. Like, yeah. I think my next cat will be, like, something r- totally ridiculous, like, you know, Sir, so and so of so and so, you know, like just something funny, ritzy. Yeah, sure. Okay, so back to education. We're talking about (laughs) N, and if you guys recognize, like we have been going through the alphabet, and really, as we're talking, we come up with like, oh, well, this would have been a good L word, but this is how it relates to N. Yeah, I'd like to first of all talk about. Being new to building or having a new student. Like, those are two very deep categories. Oh, for sure. Um, Being new to a building, even if you've been teaching, like, 17 years and you're new to a place, it is like starting over at first. You know all of these, you know all of the things about your job, but you don't know about how that relates to this new place and what those expectations are. And even some silly things. Like, um, I remember I was new to a building and I called the uh, specials classes pullouts. Yeah. And then I got a all building email about how in this building those teachers we're not we are specials, not pullouts, because you know blah blah blah. And yeah. I mean, I felt like I had been spanked. Yeah, in front of everyone. Yeah, but I had no idea my previous building they had been pullouts. Yeah. Because you know? they're they're classes that are pulled out of your classroom. Yeah. And then different buildings do things in different ways. You're there with all these new people. You don't have your support system. I mean, so on and on. I moved from Rabbit Creek to Huffman after four years of teaching. It wasn't as dramatic as when I'd been at Huffman for 17 years and I wanted to finish back where I started and I went back to Rabbit Creek. 
I mean, it is, it's truly humbling because once you've been in a community, the people know and expect certain things from you. The families, the kids have seen you. Like if I was the teacher in charge and I'd talked with Aaron since he was a kindergartner, he's now a sixth grader in my class. He knows he's got to toe the line because he knows we have a history, right? Right. Um, you go, I went as a 21 year teacher to Rabbit Creek and was teaching a five, six combo, which I'd done for 13 years. And these people were like, um, sixth grade needs to do blah, blah, blah. And it was like, guys, I may be new to your building, but I know I I've been doing this. Like, <laughs> so it is very humbling, but I will tell you that a couple of my friends and colleagues who work for the union, their suggestion is people should move like every seven years. It's like the seven year itch. You should move because not only are you giving yourself new, fresh people to learn from, but you're not in a rut. Yeah. You know, I was just going to add that on that. I had that this conversation with my mom the other day because, um, <clears throat> you know, I just finished my 20th year and I retired and she was like, oh, your aunt and I couldn't figure out we're missing a year. We can only count up 19. You know, where were you at? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I did six years at North Star and then 10 years at Ptarmigan and then one at Rabbit Creek and then three at Bowman. And she was like, oh, yeah, that adds up to 20. And she goes, do most teachers move that much? That's a lot. And I'm like, if they don't, they should at least probably get like three moves in. You know, yeah. like you learn so much from all the different people in these places. Yeah. The kids are so different, especially when, when if you look up the demographics of those buildings I just listed yeah. off, like um, the first two are very different from the last two. Yeah. Um, but also after you've been in the same place for a while and nothing is like surprising you or throwing you off guard, you get in that rut and it's mm -hmm. so easy to just get stuck and make that rut deeper mm -hmm. and you kind of need those new, you know new things to kind of trip you up and make you realize like, oh, I need to grow. Yeah. You know, and traditional teachers are like within the confines of their room. You close yeah. your door and this is what you do all day and you <clears throat> open your door and you leave. And the bonus of like kind of what I did being the teacher in charge, being a demonstration classroom teacher, working, you know, as a, assistant adjunct with my mom over at UAA mm -hmm. doing classroom management. Like I was always being asked questions like, why do you do this? How come you do it this way? And it validates and makes me troubleshoot and discuss and like, hmm, maybe I don't need to do that anymore. You know, you don't always have someone coming in and asking you your philosophy. Well, especially right? not anymore. I mean, yeah. you know, what, and something else we're going to talk about is how numbers of teachers are kind of dwindling. Yeah. And then, so there is, isn't going to be that opportunity for as much. Right. We'll get to that. Yes. I want to go to uh, the other side of the coin, new students. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you all, those of you who don't recognize this yet, you have and start your year with, let's say 25 kids. Everyone over 25 that comes in changes the whole dynamic of that room. Um, as a combo person traditionally or sixth grade, we didn't have a cap. Mm -mm. It's not like kindergarten where, you know, your numbers are capped at 18 Supposedly. or 20, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like there were years 
I had 36, 37 kids in my room and the thought of a new kid coming in was literally kind of terrifying from the perspective of we've established a common level of expectation. These kids don't like these kids. We're working through it. We're troubleshooting our management and our etiquette with others. And you bring a new student in and are they going to this gang or going to that gang? Like, you just don't know. Well, and also look at it from the perspective of that new kid. I mean, it's, 100%. when kids come in and they don't have the connections, I mean, it's so hard on them um, that we also need to look at it that way. Like when I go to a new building, it's really hard on me and difficult to figure out how everything is. Yeah. And if no one takes the time out to kind of like help you figure some of that out, it's really hard. Yeah. And so knowing that when new kids come in, we need to be done too. And families. Yeah. And families. You know, yeah. um, in some of our lower income neighborhoods, a school is a very intimidating place. Going to a parent conference, they didn't have good relationships as students with their own teachers. Maybe their families didn't. And so for some of our adult, you know, our family members um, coming in to have a conversation about their child, if they don't have a connection with you, especially if they're a new family, it's really difficult. And if they're also um, possibly uneducated themselves, it Mm -hmm. makes it really hard. So let's move to that other topic you wanted, you brought up. Oh yeah. Um, So numbers is what we're going to call it, right? Yeah. Um, Just here in our local school district. I mean, I looked what, like two weeks ago and um, like just the numbers that we need are amazing. Like it was TA positions, which they're now calling para- Paraeducators. Yeah. Um, over 100 open positions for that. Um, I don't remember what reg ed teachers were for elementary, but SPED teachers, there were over 50 open positions. So let's just redefine this because for, I, I want our listeners to understand when we're talking about the paraeducators, the special ed TAs, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about a category of students who by law have specific minutes that have to be met. Right. And this services. is by law. Yeah. S- minutes, services, small group needs by law. Like yeah. public school kids do not have those kinds of regulations. And when we don't have those kinds of educators in our classrooms, that's devastating to that whole population of students. Well, it's devastating to that population and to really the entire population, because if those kids aren't getting that special help from their paraeducator, those gen ed teachers are adding more to their plate because they can't just let that kid flounder. Yeah. And then by taking more of their time and effort towards those students who are supposed to have the special help, then their other students are getting behind on things. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole like domino effect um, but those students, yeah, legally are supposed to be getting those services from those people. Those people are supposed to be getting all of their instruction from the special education teacher, possibly the gen ed teacher above them. I mean, we're talking about this horrible effect. That's yeah, gonna it's happen. like a trifecta. Yeah. If those people aren't there, those special educators aren't going to be able to say that those IEP followed. Those students aren't going to get their services. It's going to be a mess. And I'd just like to put a plug in for parents. The people who are listening who are parents, you have got to know what your IEP says. You yeah. have got to know 
My child deserves this time. My child needs this time. It is data enforced or data reinforced documentation that your child needs these services and you have to be a voice for them. I feel like as a teacher, I always kind of got myself in hot water with my special ed team because I was the voice for this kid. I I want you to know as my sped person, he deserves an hour and 22 minutes a day on this. Why are you seeing him for 18 or 80? It's like, this is not okay. Well, and I would say, like, this is to parents and to gen ed teachers, anyone working with kids in this population, like, you should be asking, so when is Johnny getting this hour? I want to see a schedule. Yep. You know, kid, there should be a schedule of when every service is being given. Yeah. You know, it may not say behavior minutes, but it might say recess 60 minutes with Ms. Whatever. You yeah. know, like that's covering some amount with of time. With a sped teacher and yeah, TA like, support um, or whatever. And I have to say, like... Last year, I had a high caseload for my classroom. Um, Everyone had full hours. I had three TAs, but we were not always all there. People got pulled every which way. There were definitely days where services were not being met. Yeah. But, you know, I, of course, was doing my darndest to make sure it was. Yeah. Like a teacher with lots of experience and trying to make sure everything is covered. Yeah. Now we're having substitutes in these positions. (laughs) Um, who don't even have a schedule. There are definitely um, gaps within the day, and parents are totally within the rights to say, hey, I need to know exactly when he's getting all these services. Well, and you use the word subs. A sub in schools right now could be a parent volunteer that's taken on that role. This is not someone who traditionally has been a substitute. No, no, no. Because we're we're hurting for people. Across the country right now, um, I mean, I think... You and I were talking maybe the other day, like, mm-hmm. like there are districts that are letting you become a teacher with only a high school diploma. Yep. You know, so, I mean, these are not necessarily, subs could could have a degree in something. Yeah. They could not. Right. They are not um, certified, fully trained, experienced teachers. Right. Because those certified, fully trained, experienced teachers are struggling with the lack of para-educator support. Correct. So you can't... I mean, you got to know that all these other people have been struggling. And I just want to remind you, school hasn't started yet. There, You can find articles online um, about schools where teachers are supposed to show up next week and there are already 70 people who've said, if this isn't okay, I'm not coming back. And I don't know, with the number of vacancies, what our classroom number is going to look like because... I don't hear of any school districts saying, oh, hey, we're not going to be opening. Right. I have. There was an article two weeks ago in our Daily News mm-hmm. that was talking about how a bunch of the um, other districts in Alaska, that some are talking that they might have to go virtual because mm-hmm. they are missing, you know, like half of the teachers they need to yeah. run the district. Yeah. But you also said you had some numbers for another state. Yeah, I can't find you them can't right find now it. while we're talking, but... But this is not yeah, an Alaska problem. No, this is this is a countrywide problem, and probably worldwide, I would assume. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can look at any... Your home state's Department of Education, and you can see Texas vacancy numbers. You can see... Louisiana and Arkansas, New Jersey numbers. So 
It's a People, big problem. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it's going to be going. <clears throat> um, let's change to nighttime conferences. So conferences, back when we both started teaching, back in the dark ages, were like we would have half days of school right. and parents would take half a day off and come visit, you know, for their time and... And then the district changed to two half days and an evening so that Friday you would have like half a day of work because they would comp you for your evening. Um, How do you feel about the fact that lots of districts across the country are saying... People can call in. You can conference anytime you want. Why would we have half days? Why would we... I think it all comes down to what the expectation is. Like, I feel if they want you to meet face-to-face with every parent, like, there's no way you can do it outside of... Like, you have to have... You have to have time off from the kids so that you... Yeah. You know, like, um, if it is like, oh, they can call in and you can do a Zoom, well, then give me three weeks and I'm going to schedule... One, you know, two a day in the morning and two a day at the end of the day. And I'm going to do it that way, you know, but. um, So I just did some quick math. If I have 26 students and I say 20 minutes a conference, that is eight hours and six, eight point six, 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 seven hours of conferencing. So when do you, when are you doing that? Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, beyond our work days? I would need like. Three weeks where I can do two in the morning and two at the end of the day during my work day. Well, and you know, here's the difficulty. We, I'm at a private school, love my private school. Right. Um, But we don't have like public school has. It's not 20 minute conferences so that your parent can come from you from third grade to me in fourth grade right right after. Um, Some people have 10 minute conferences. Some people have... 35 minute conferences and it's like uh so what are these people doing when they have a 10 minute conference and now they have to wait 10 or 15 minutes to you know it's not very easy for families some people are doing conferences two before school two after school and then they don't have conferences during our conference days i i just think that for me too much happens each day for me to be doing three weeks of before and after school conferences. Yeah. My comments for the people that I would have had three weeks ago would be different for them today sure. if I would have had their child in their conference today. So it's a very difficult to, if we're going into conferences with specific points to talk about, it's going to vary if you're doing it over a three-week process. Well, I don't know if there is an answer. If it's not going to be paid, yeah, then, you know, I mean, I'm retired now, so it's kind of like, well... Not my problem. Not my problem. Starting starts with an N, right? Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> um, I have my own family and own life, and I'm not going to... I wouldn't be giving up my week, my nights. And that's the <clears throat> problem with why we have so many openings. Yeah. Teachers are giving so much of their own personal time. Well, there's so much that is expected, And I mean, just thinking about the beginning of the year requirements for trainings, Mm -hmm. like they used to do it all face to face and it took like a day. Right. Mm -hmm. And you had to play little bingo games and you had to do stuff, but you got it done. Yep. And now they have taken these short things that they did and they've turned them into videos that take 
hours. Some of them take hours and some of them take 15 to 20 minutes, but you have to watch them because they record if you have what you have seen. How much time you've spent on it. But they don't give you the time to do it. They're just like, you have to do it by October. Well, and it's like eight hours of stuff that you have to do. But here's the thing. Other unions inside our district are given that time during the day for them to do it. Yeah. But that's just another thing that they're like, you just have to get it done at some point. Yeah. This year, um, the school district is starting teacher training on a Monday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're going to do their trainings. Teachers get one day in their classroom. They're going to have their ice cream social or something one of those days. Nice. Kids come in Thursday. Yeah. So like... If you really, realistically, want to get your room set up, want to get ready for your kids, like you have desks ready, you have your first two days of lesson plans done, you can't do it in three days. No. So they're, I mean, they're basically telling people, like, you have to come in on your off time. Mm-hmm. And then when people come in on their off time, they're like, oh, you didn't need those days. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just this. It's, it's a vicious a cycle. And then they lose people. Yep. Um. Anything else on N you want to finish up? I mean, I think we hit the big, huge things, to be honest. There's a lot of different stuff. NAPE testing. There's uh, non-English language speakers. Probably the most underappreciated staff members, the noon duties. 100%. Man, they are paid like minimum wage. Yeah, it's like $8 an hour. It's worse than that. It's $8 or $9 an hour to put up with kids when they are their rowdiest (laughs) in horrible weather. Yes. And I wouldn't say they're respected by the teachers and such in the building. You know, Not some teachers. Yes, you're right. Probably the most underappreciated job. High five to you, noon duties. Yeah, noon duties. We couldn't do it without you. We're finishing on noon duty because what would we do without you? We would cry. We would totally cry. (laughs) Okay. Have a good one, guys. We'll talk to you next weekend. Next week. Thank you.